Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome to The Inner Life Indeed. I'm Josh Raymond, and I hope you are having a wonderful morning as you've got your Thursday underway, March 18th, Thursday in the fourth week of Lent. Lent is just flying right by. At least it is for me. I don't know if it is for you. But today, as uh, we talk here on The Inner Life, I want to ask, have you ever tried to keep making something work again and again, but it keeps failing, or it doesn't turn out the way that you want it to turn out? How many times did you keep at it, still not getting those results that you were after? Did you have to give up and walk away? Or was it something where you finally forced things to be the way that you wanted them to turn out, but of course they didn't quite turn out how you wanted them? Or did you have to step back? Did you have to reassess the situation and come at it from a different angle? Did you make the situation change, or did you change in the process? When I was young, uh, well, I was born in California. I lived there until I was five years old, and then we moved up to northern Idaho. I have one brother. He's 14 years older than me, and I have a sister, and she's 13 years older. And when my parents and I moved north, my brother and sister, being old enough, they said, no, we want to stay in California. They had no desire to move up to Idaho. And so it was just me and my mom and my dad, and we moved the summer before I started first grade. And that winter, when it came around, for the very first time in my life, I experienced snow. I got to make snowmen, I got to throw snowballs, make snow angels. And my brother and sister, we lived uh, in the Bay Area, like I say, in California, they would drive out to different places that weren't too far away, and they'd go skiing. And I would hear about them doing this during the winters. And I always thought it sounded like so much fun. Besides, you know, when you have older siblings, you idolize them and you think everything they do is going to be the coolest and the funnest thing ever. And so I wanted to ski. Well, my father, he signed me up for ski lessons. And every Saturday, we would drive to this little ski hill. It was little. Uh, It was about an hour away from where we lived. And my dad would sit there in the small lodge, and he'd read a book while I had a lesson with the ski instructor. And the lessons weren't very long, maybe 30 to 60 minutes. I I don't remember exactly. But then I would be able to ski on my own for an hour or two until my dad finally waved me back to the lodge when I was coming down the hill, and we'd head home. And like I say, this really was a tiny little ski hill. I've been to all kinds of bigger ones uh, past that, you know, as I was growing up. And I think Mount Hood might be the biggest one out in the Portland, Oregon area. But this little hill, it had uh, what was called a T-bar. It didn't have a chairlift. This T-bar was kind of a pulley system that would help you get up the hill. And so I, I did those weekly ski lessons for that first winter. And then the next winter, my parents signed me up again. And my sister, she was newly married at this point, And she and her husband, they came up to visit us around Christmas time. And while they were there, my brother-in-law, Scott, 
he said he would take me skiing. And so we drove to that same little ski hill one morning, and we suited up, and we got out in the line for the T-bar. Now, Scott had only been to larger ski resorts and always with chairlifts. A T-bar was something completely new to him. And when we ended up getting up to the front of the line, he didn't ask how it was different or how to use the T-bar. He was just watching the other skiers. It looked simple enough, and he thought there'd be nothing to it. So we got there, and the T-bar comes around, and he tried to sit on it like you would a ski lift, but that's not how a T-bar works. A T-bar, it looks like this upside-down T, and it's connected to a rope up above, And the T, that upside-down T bar, it goes behind you, and it does kind of look like you sit back on it. But you really only let it guide you up the hill. You remain standing, your skis are on the ground, and it pulls you forward. When Scott ended up sitting down on that T bar, it couldn't handle his weight. Again, it's not designed for that. So we ended up being dragged for several feet in the snow, and then we both fell, and the T bar continued on without us. And that meant we had to go back to the end of the line, and we had to wait to try again. And when we got up there the second time, the same thing happened. Scott tried to sit on it, and we fell again, and we found ourselves having to go to the the end of the line once more. And Scott, he finally did ask the person working there at the base of the T-bar, assisting the other skiers, "How, how do you use this? And what am I doing wrong? And so he got some guidance and some coaching, but we still fell, I think, three or four more times we did finally get up the hill. Scott did get the hang of the T-bar. But sometimes that's how we are with God when we keep trying to do things our own way. We think that things should be done one way, but it doesn't work out. And we try again and again and again, but it never goes well, right? We keep resisting. We don't want to do things according to God's design. We want to do things the way that we think they should be done. But when we finally stop being stubborn— which could be a short time, it might be a longer time, when we finally stop being stubborn and allow God to guide us, all of a sudden, everything seems to come together. Does that sound familiar? That's what we want to talk about today here on The Inner Life, giving control over to God in our lives. Is there that time in your life where you were trying to control something? God was trying to show you a better way? What happened when you finally did allow God to be in control of that situation? Maybe right now you're having a hard time giving control over to God, and you'd like a little help, and uh, that's why we're going to talk with one of our very regular spiritual directors here on The Inner Life, Father Douglas McKay. He's the founder and spiritual director of Our House Ministries in the Grace Ferry section of Philadelphia. He also serves as chaplain of the Calix Society Philadelphia Unit, which proclaims the Catholic faith to Alcoholics Anonymous membership. Father Douglas, welcome back to The Inner Life. Thank you, Josh. It's uh, really a blessing to be with you and Nick and Jim and all the listeners. Yeah, and I I know uh, so many of our listeners appreciate every time you're on. So let's talk about, as we look at giving control in our lives, giving control to God, that word control can kind of have different meanings. Sometimes we might talk about having control over our passions or over um, uh, the the things we want. And, uh, you know, being self-disciplined is a good thing. That's not really what we're talking about. We're talking about we want to be in charge, and we're looking at how we can let God be in charge. And most of us like to be in charge. It's even seen as a good thing in our culture. You know, he's a take-charge kind of guy, or she really knows how to get things done. They're a natural leader. Uh, we, we could even look at this as an either-or situation here, where 
we're in charge in certain situations or at certain times, and then there are those times where we say, okay, God, you can be in control of this one. But giving control uh, of our lives to God, it really shouldn't be compartmentalized to only certain times or certain conditions, should it? No, you know, I was thinking of the word control, too. I take a walk down at the lakes here, and uh, you always see people with remote controls, and they're controlling like an, an airplane up in the sky going around and around, or or a motorboat or a truck, and it's almost like, uh, you know, a robot, and, and that's not what we mean here about control. It's it's more about surrender uh, to God and, and let God take care of us, cast all your cares on God, and, and he'll care for us. But I was listening to your ski story there, Josh, and um, a story that I thought of that uh, reminded me of was the uh, the monks who are in the monastery. And one day the monk comes out to rake the garden in front of the monastery gates. And a woman comes up uh, to him and, and says to the monk, uh, what are you doing there all day? And the monk said, well, we fall down and we get up. We fall down and we get up. And, you know, you look at the lives of the saints and all, and just like you you and your brother, you fall down, you keep getting up. It's like you live and you learn. Um, I was thinking, too, you know, how to start the program and um, about just uh, that surrender, that giving God control of our lives. And the very first words of Jesus in in the Gospel of Matthew, and I'll just read it. It's only a couple of lines. Uh, It's chapter 3, and it's the baptism of Jesus. And his very first words really struck me. Our Lord's first words. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you're coming to me? And Jesus said to him in reply, Allow it now, for thus it's fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he allowed him. And there it is, to, to give God permission. That's what it means, really, to be humble. It's, it's to give God permission to really uh, to take care of us. And when I first heard those words first uh, penetrated me, Josh, I used them everywhere I would go, like in, Josh, in, in um, traffic jam. Allow it now. This too shall pass. You know, in the marketplace when the lines are long, allow it now. This too shall pass. And it's just really coming into that present moment. And, and allowing things just to pass by us, but to stay in the eternal, to stay in the present moment with God, with all where, where all the graces are. There's a, a little um, a poem that I really love that goes, uh, letting go and letting God. And it goes, we mutter and we sputter, we fume and we spurt, we mumble and grumble, our feelings get hurt, and we don't understand things. Our vision grows dim, while all that we really need is a moment with him. Chuck, it's all, I mean, there you go. Josh, it's all in that moment. And uh, I was just thinking, you know, uh, not only in the little things of life, like traffic or inconveniences, but in the big things, the tragedies of life. It seems like we really surrender more easily to the, to the big things because we know I'm not in control here. God is, and I have to let go and let God. But if I can just um, share this one story about my brother, uh, my brother, you know, my brother Anthony. But I was at a, a workshop with a priest, and and he said to us, uh, all the priests, he said, um, think of a time that you were the closest to God, and why was it, and what was it? And I thought of my brother Anthony's death, who died from an overdose of, of drugs, and um, you, you know, 
being ordained as a priest, one of my, uh, I guess, uh, preoccupations was being at my mother and father's funeral and giving the homily. And here it happened to my brother. And I just remember this day in St. Gabriel's, right across the street here from my office. Um, you know, we, we meant there was a lot of, you know, priest friends there. And I really said, Lord, I, I can't do this. I can't do this. And it was like just letting go. And I would hear the voice of the Lord say, uh, Douglas, he's more my brother than he's your brother. Let me do this. And I surrendered. And I tell you, it was like Jesus in persona Christi, walking down the aisle to the casket, taking the holy water, blessing my brother's casket, and just seeing Jesus claiming my brother Anthony for himself. And even the homily and everything, it was just so inspired. It was like, it wasn't me at all. It was Jesus coming through me because I was able to really let go and, and let God. And after that experience, I said to my mother and father, you know, Mom and Dad, that was a great experience. And now I'm looking forward to your funeral. And my mother said, well, don't be in any hurry for my act. But uh, <laughs> there it was, Chuck. You know, it was just that, you know, letting God take care of us and, and letting go. Even in, not only in, in the big things in life, but the little things. And he just wants to, he, he's there. And like he says, I'm the vine and you're the branch. And apart from me, you can do nothing. And that means absolutely nothing. So let God be God and let God take care of us. You know, one of the th things that you said there, especially looking back at when Jesus comes in front of John the Baptist, and you made the comment that we have to give God permission. You know, John the Baptist had to give permission at that point, mm -hmm. you know, not to do things the way he wanted them done, the way that he thought everything should happen, but he had to give permission. And and even in that, uh, you know, you're talking about that surrender, giving God permission. The fact that we have an all-powerful, omniscient, omnipotent God that allows us to be the ones to say, I'm ready now, and he doesn't force his way, that, that just shows that love that he has for us and wants to make sure that he's not badgering or pushing us. I, I mean, I wish I could be that way as a father all the time with my kids, that I, I wouldn't, you know, lay uh, the, the pressure on them the way that I do sometimes. Come on, you know you should do better. You know, those sorts of moments. Um, but another word that comes to mind with all of this, you mentioned surrender, and the word that I had in my mind as I was reflecting today on talking about giving control to God is is also trust. We really have to be able to trust in God, and sometimes that can be a scary prospect of, of saying, I'm going to trust you in these situations when I don't want to let go of that control. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know, the trust is the big big factor there. I think of that surrender program. Oh, Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Take care of everything. But I, I like to adapt it by saying, Oh, sacred-hearted Jesus, I place all my trust in you. Please take care of everything, and thank you. That trust, you know, it's so powerful when we trust God and, and let God act. Again, a story comes to mind about the mountain man, Josh. He climbs this high mountain, and he gets all the way to the top, and he's so proud of himself that he that he made it to the top. And he looks over to see how far he climbed up, and he, he loses his footing and begins to fall down the mountain, and he's able to grab onto a limb, and he's holding on the limb. And uh, he's hollering up, is anybody up there? Is anybody up there hanging on for dear life? And the clouds part, 
and the voice of God says, I'm up here. Good God, get me up out of here. And God says, well, you just have to do one thing for me. Anything, God, you just name it. And God says, let go. And there's a long, deep, silent pause. And then you hear, is anybody else up there? (laughs) It's like, (laughs) let go and fall into the hands of God and trust him. He's going to take care of us. Trust him. Believe that. Is there a time in your life where you've struggled in giving God control of your life, in saying, I trust you, in surrendering what's happening? But God was trying to work with you through that situation. What happened when you finally did allow God to be in control? What happened when you trusted? Maybe you're having a hard time right now as you're trying to give that control over to God and say, no, I I will trust, I will surrender my life and follow where you're leading me. We'd love to hear how God is working in your life. The number you can call and join the program, 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. We're talking with Father Douglas McKay, founder and spiritual director of Our House Ministries in the Grays Ferry section of Philadelphia. And again, if you'd like to join the program, 888-914-9149. Innerlife at RelevantRadio.com is the email address. And we'll be back with more on surrendering our lives and giving control to God right after this on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash forester. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life spiritual directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back. I'm Josh Raymond along with our spiritual director, Father Douglas McKay. And we're talking about giving control of our lives over to God having that surrender in our lives, trusting God. And is there that time in your life where you were trying to control something? God was trying to show you a better way. What happened when you finally allowed God to be in control of that situation, when you actually surrendered that situation to him? You can give us a call and join the program at 888-914-9149. want uh, to also mention, if you haven't heard us talking about this, Drew Mariani has a brand new book, and it's at the printer right now. It's entitled Divine Mercy, and it's absolutely free. If you want to sign up for it, you can go to our website, relevantradio.com. You can go to the Relevant Radio app, and you'll see it there. And all you have to do is click the button and give us your name and your mailing address, and we'll send that to you as soon as we get it back from the printer. Uh, It really is a fantastic book. If uh, you want to learn about Divine Mercy, maybe you're brand new to the message and to the devotion, or maybe... Maybe you know a lot about it. Well, Drew shares some of the history, but he also gives so many different stories of miracles and people who have been transformed by God's healing mercy. And if nothing else, I guarantee it'll make you want to share that message with others. So just go to RelevantRadio.com, sign up. Again, it's absolutely free. You don't have to pay for shipping. You don't have to pay for the book. We just want to get that out there. We want to spread devotion to uh, the message of divine mercy. And when you're there, after you sign up, click on that share button, and you can let a friend or family member know about the fact that they can sign up for the book as well. And uh, again, today here on The Inner Life, we're talking about giving surrender, uh, surrendering our lives to God, giving that control over to Him. And Father Douglas, as uh, we were talking, an email came in, and Kathleen, she wrote us and said, 
uh, I really struggled for about six years over controlling my son and his heroin addiction. And she said, you know, as if I could do something about it. She says, all, I, all it did was, was make both of us miserable and hurt our relationship. About three months ago, I surrendered it all to God. I'm finally released from the fear and the agony. And my son is actually not using right now. He's in a recovery program, and praise God, he's doing very well. And she says, our relationship has been repaired too. Uh, that's that's a pretty stark difference of six years of trying to control something and within three months of handing it over to God and, and just surrendering that, all of a sudden she sees such a dramatic change. Yeah, really. You know, sometimes, uh, like family members, when it comes to addiction, they're too close to the situation and they're trying to do everything themselves. I have a friend that uh, he's the president of our house ministries here. He would always say, pray for the stranger, you know, that God sends other people uh, really to, to help where we can. So it's really, um, we can't do it ourselves. We need, uh, we need help. We need programs. We need the graces. We need the sacraments. But uh, one of the stories that come to mind is about St. Monica. Now, St. Monica was an alcoholic, and a lot of people don't know that. And, um, it's, of course, this was before she was married. There were three girls in the family, and they were wealthy. They had a wine cellar. And Monica would go down, and she would zip the wine. And, and then she would take, uh, you know, relish it, and then they could take uh, cupfuls, and then she would be tipsy. And the, the servant there saw her, you know, and said, you know, you're a wino. You're an alcoholic. And it seemed like Monica gets the moment of truth, and she surrenders. She surrenders to God. And her son Augustine would speak about this. Now, this is 1,600 years ago. And Augustine says, my mother had a disease. Drug addiction, alcoholism, it's a disease. It hits the brain. The brain is wounded. You know, we can excuse heart disease and liver disease, but when the brain's affected because it brings immorality, we don't have much compassion for that. But this is what Augustine said. He said, there was no cure, no cure for my mother, except God's medicine, which is the, the sacraments, confession, communion, our prayer life, our rosary. You know, there's the answer and there's the solution. When I was 19 years old, down here in South Philadelphia, I came to a newsstand, and on top was like a triangle sign. And on one, on side, one side of the sign, it said, Dear Jesus, I have a problem, and it's me. Sign your brother. And I went around on the other side, and I read the other, the other message. Dear brother, I have the solution to your problem, and it's me. Sign Jesus. He's the answer to our questions and the solution to our problems. He's the divine physician, the healer of mind, body, and soul, and we must go to God. Mm, that's beautiful. We're talking about giving over control of our lives, surrendering our lives to God. When have you been able to do that in your life, and how has it helped you in your relationship with Christ? The phone number to call and talk with us, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And let's go to Melissa. She's listening in Bakersfields, California. Hi, Melissa. Welcome to The Inner Life today. Oh, thank you so much for taking my call. Um what had happened with me, I was living with a sibling who, uh, let's just say their type of living and my type of living were completely different, um, immoral to say the very least. Um, and I kept trying to get out and trying to get out. I had been there for four years 
And I kept talking to God. I wasn't listening, but I was talking to him. And I kept going, Lord, how come nothing's happening? I keep trying, I keep trying, and nothing's happening. Till finally, one day I was listening to Catholic radio, and they said to give it to him. And I talked to another priest who said, lay it at the foot of the cross. So I sat at home, or in my room at the time, closet, and said, Lord, I can't do this. I'm, I can't do it. I'm, I failed time after time after time. I've struggled. I've prayed. I've cried. So now I'm done. Yeah, you take care of this. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm beat, and I'm beat down. I'm done. Well, by his grace, I live in a I have a place. I'm, I'm doing well. I have no contact with those people. And by his grace, everything is well. And now with everything that happens, I always say this too shall pass. When I see people on Facebook going through suicide thoughts and I tell them, hold on, this too shall pass. Because we forget that. We forget that we're in the moment and we're struggling. But we have to remember moment to moment to moment to moment. It will pass. So by his grace, I'm sitting here in my car that I've always wanted, that I told God, it's okay if I never have it. As long as I see them, I'm happy. I have a two-bedroom place right now. I, I'm in awe over what God has done. And all because I said, yeah, enough. I can't take any more. You do this, Lord. I, I'm, I'm, I've screwed everything up, and I'm helpless. Help me. So by his grace, here I sit. Thank you, Melissa. It's a great story of your surrender. I love that when you said, uh, I was talking to God, but I wasn't listening uh, to him. Made me think Mm -hmm. that God gives us two ears and and one mouth. So I think he was trying to tell us something, listen more and speak less. It's like uh, take the cotton, you know, out of your ears and put it in your mouth. But also how you were giving it to the Lord and living that moment. And finding the peace, because God's in the moment. Everything outside us, when we look at it, if you can, if you can hear it or taste it or smell it or touch it, the senses, it's passing. It's corrupting. But what's lasting is the eternal. You know, God's peace, joy, love, happiness. Saint Therese, little flower, when she went into the um, monastery, uh, she says she felt a peace that never left her because it's there, and that's where we got to keep going. The longest journey is from the head to the heart. You know, the worst neighborhood to live on is between our ears where the hecklers and the squatters and all morning demons start to act in on us. But just as they speak, the Lord's always speaking. And I would hear him say when things would come up in my life, whether it be pressures or tensions or fears, and they come. But they go as quickly as they come because I can hear the Lord saying to me, Douglas, give me that. And I would say to him, you got it, Lord, you got it. And when you when you saw yourself said, I can't do it, there's a three-step surrender program. I can't do it. He can do it. I'll let him do it. And even better than that, I can't do it. He can't do it. We can do it. It's a partnership. It's a togetherness. I think of St. John Newman's prayer that when he would wake up in the morning, Lord, help me to remember that nothing will happen today that you and I cannot handle. But thank you, Melissa. Yeah, thank you for sharing, Melissa. And Father Douglas, as Melissa was sharing and listening to your thoughts and your your comments afterwards, 
It also makes me think about, um, you know, she, she said in the moment, when we're in that moment, if we're dealing with something that's really trying, even if it's God's path for us, in the thick of it, it can be so, so difficult at that moment, and it can be difficult to trust. You know, you shared how when, as you've progressed in your own journey, there are those times where God is saying, give it over to me, and you say, you got it, you got it. How do we get to that point? How do we prepare ourselves so that we trust even in those trying moments? Well, I really think we're brought to our knees where we, you know, it's in those difficult, hard times where we think we're in control and we really are never in control. You know, I didn't have any control to create myself in that last moment where Christ comes to save me. What makes me think I have any, any control in between? And when these really difficult trials and tribulations happen to us, I think of St. Teresa of Avila. She said where the trials are and we trip up, fall to our knees, dig there because that's where the treasure is that's where we find the lord the most and, and that's where when we when we relinquish everything and we give up and we throw up our hands that's where everything begins to happen where that wave of grace comes in that i experience that strength that's not my own that peace that joy all those virtues they're not mine that the Lord shares them with me. Now I'm open-hearted, you know, and now I'm on the receiving end, and I receive it, and beautiful things happen. But when these difficult times come, and every day I'm dealing with difficulties, you know, the demands of priesthood and dealing with uh, drug addictions and overdoses and deaths and parents with their, you know, I mean, it goes on and on. But when these difficult times come, and I feel the pressures and the tensions, and I want to, you know, it's like, uh, I'm trying to control this myself again. Lord, you know, these are your people. This is your ministry. You take care of it. But, the, you know, the word, Jesus, this is the greatest prayer of all. My, my favorite prayer is the prayer, Jesus. And when Angel Gabriel came uh, to Mary, said his name is Jesus and told Joseph because he will forgive his people from their sins. So when he forgives sins, he, rem- he removes shame and guilt, pressures, tensions, heartaches, trials, tribulations. When I say the holy name, Jesus, I'm saying, save me. That's what it means, Savior. Save me from this difficult situation. And he does, as soon as I turn it over, that all these things go away as fast as they come. Or I can linger in it until I really get knocked down. And the Lord will knock me down, you you know, like the proud-hearted, thinking I can do everything myself. The proud-hearted, that he will, you know, knock us off our high horses, only to exalt us, that we come to that moment of truth and we realize, man... I need God. I must go to God. There's no other answers and no other solutions but in God himself. Mm. Father, let's go back to the phones. We've got Adrian, who's calling us from Golden Valley, Minnesota. Hi, Adrian. Welcome to The Inner Life. Hey, thank um, you. It was August, and I received a call. I was in the kitchen with my wife, um, trying to plate after we had lunch, and it was my sister from Argentina saying, you know, are you sitting down? Um, and I said, oh, what happened? You know, I thought about my dad in Argentina. I said, no, it's our brother that had a stroke. And he had a really bad stroke, bleeding in his brain, just bad, bad. I'm a nurse, so I understand a little bit about it. And just to make it short, you know, it was in August during the, the middle of all this health crisis. I knew I wouldn't be able to travel. If I travel, I would have to quarantine. So very desperate, um, you know, medical reports came every day, very bad. Um, 5% of people survived. The doctor 
tells us these kind of strokes. And it came a time I was really desperate, you know, just a big punch and say, what can I do? And um, I had my wife, I had um, friends, and, you know, I reached out to them in this situation, and they all told me they would, you know, pray for this situation, and I did the same. Um, I really, really prayed more than ever, and uh, I think we all do that when we are in, in a kind of crisis or difficulty like this. And suddenly, you know, I think uh, I gave it up like other people have said in the program today to him, to his hands, and he really spoke to me. He um, he invited me to do more in my everyday life, in my family, in my work. And in that way, I would bring, he would bring me that peace that I needed, you know. And honestly, it's just a testimony I wanted to give because it really happened. I just gave it up to God. Um, other people also prayed a lot, and that, I think, helped to bring that peace that God can only bring us in this situation. And things went really well for me. I mean, I didn't feel that stress, that preoccupied. Um, and not only that, but I... Uh, was able finally, a week ago, I came back from Argentina. I was able to visit and care for my brother. He has had a a, a miracle of uh, recovery. He, his mentation is great. He can speak and um, with anybody very well. He just has some physical disability. But God not only um, helped me to get through it, um, with this example I gave, but he also, um, you know, was able to reach out to my brother and family and, and heal him, um, I think, uh, both physically and I hope also spiritually. My, my brother is not a practicing Catholic. So anyway, my, my testimony is just for those people that have all these difficult situations, just trust in him, give it up to him, you know, once you, you can't anymore, and he really shows you the way. Thank you, Adrian. Uh, so your brother is uh, getting better and better? He is getting, he's so well. I just came back from Argentina. I was there when they discharged him. Doctors, uh, I'm a nurse, and I said, doctor, how can you explain a bleeding of this kind of stroke that he recovered? And she said, you know, the only explanation we can give, and she gave me a technical explanation, but um, usually strokes that involve bleeding are just some of the worst. But he's getting much better. He can. He's even gotten. I don't know how to say it. Uh, as a brother, you know, more open to talk about things. Uh, he only has a disability on his left side, which he's working on and very well, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll keep him in our prayers. What's your brother's first name? Alejandro. Okay. You know, when when you first started to tell the story, I thought you said your father. And you, you brought a lot of uh, memories back about my father, who had the stroke. And uh, he was laying down the shore. My father is a daily communicant. And um, we, when we all got down there, um, he was on a ventilator. And uh, they said there was no real hope, you know. And um, that uh, we were making a family decision right there just to take the ventilator off and, and, and give him to God. 
but anyway, um, at, at the last minute, the, the nurse said, well, did your father have a, you, you, you know, um, what, what, do you, what do you call it, like the, a will, you know, the living will? And I, I said, no, but we wouldn't know my father's uh, decision here. And she said, well, we can't do this because it has to be go through the ethics, ethics committee. So the next morning, um, you know, I stayed with my father that whole night. And my, my other family members went home. And, um, the, you know, I was listening to this ventilator all night, you know, sleep, trying to sleep in his room. And the devil was at my back saying, look what look what God's doing to your father. A daily communicant, a good man, look what he's doing. Curse God, you know. And, you know, and I said, you know, this is all the blessings, you know. Get behind me, Satan, and, and just giving my father to God. There was a peace. Now, the next morning... Um, my dad went to Mass every morning, so I said, I'm going to go to Mass. There was a church nearby. I'm going to go to Mass with my father. And uh, I got in the car, and then something happened in the car. It says, service soon. I said, now what? So I looked at the manual, you know, and as I opened up the glove compartment, there was the picks there, the vessel that carries the Blessed Sacrament. So I'm going to go to Mass, and I'm going to bring the Blessed Sacrament back. So I went to Mass, and uh, Father let me have the Blessed Sacrament. And... Um, uh, by this time, there's like 20 people around my dad, and uh, the doctor comes up and apologizes. He said, we could have done this last night uh, on, on, on the telephone, made this decision. And um, and, and then, I, I, you know, uh, we got ready for him to take off the ventilator. And uh, as they took off the ventilator, now my dad, we're praying the rosary. My dad has the Eucharist on him, the Blessed Sacrament. He's covered with blue like the Blessed Mother. And I'm watching the lines drop, and it's like all the M's are coming along. And we're at the end of the rosary and, and, the, and at the Hail Holy Queen. And, and when, when the words come up, after this our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy wound, Jesus. And then it beeps, and the line goes flat. Beep. Wow. But I want to say that the ventilator was really for us to give us more time. And it was the most beautiful death, you know, that I was present at. And I've seen so many beautiful ones. I, you know, I worked with the Little Sisters of the Poor for 21 years. I saw a lot of people die in that hour of death, how beautiful that is. But, uh, you know, you made me think of that. And our surrender, you know, where we just, okay, God, he's, he's again, he's more your son than our father. And whatever your will is, you, you, you know, we're okay with it. And there was a great peace in our hearts. And we had that beautiful, beautiful ending of my father's life. And the Lord would come and take him. And it's just that sometimes we see death as an end-all. And there's the new beginning, you know, the verdant pastures beside restful waters where my dad's cup would be overflowing. Where he, he would be where he belongs, where he came right. from, in the arms of the Heavenly Father. Yeah. So uh, I'm glad that, you know, your brother is really uh, doing well. But it comes a time for us all that, you know, the greatest healing of all, the last healing, the final healing, is when God takes us home to live forever in the kingdom. And I love how even in that, you know, as you're focused on the fact that your father is, he's going to his eternal reward and has that hope of heaven and being in a better place. But even at that moment, God is giving that consolation to you and your family, Father. We're talking about giving over that control, surrendering our lives to God's control. How have you been able to do that in your own life? How has, how has that been a struggle? And how, when you finally did give control over, did it help you grow in your relationship with Christ? You can give us a call, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, or email innerlife at relevantradio.com. More 
on The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app right after this. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Inner Life Show or email us innerlife at relevantradio.com. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back. I'm Josh Raymond along with our spiritual director, Father Douglas McKay. We're taking your calls as we talk about surrendering control of our lives to God. And when has that happened for you? The phone number, 888-914-9149. And Father, let's go to Teresita. She's listening in Pittsburgh, California. Hi, Teresita. How has God worked in your life, and how have you been able to give over that control to Him? Hi, thank you for the opportunity to share. In the morning, I asked the Lord what would He like me to do for that day. Then I let the events of the day lead me. When, so when I'm in traffic, I think that's God's timing for me at that moment. And then when things don't happen as I would have wanted, I think that it was God's will for that moment. Or I offer it up for the conversion of someone or for souls. Then at night, I ask God where I might have displeased Him. The bottom line is uh, detachment and leaving everything to the Holy Spirit. And also... The prayer of Jeremiah is very comforting, and it says, Call unto me, and I will answer you, and I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. For I know the plans I have for you, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and hope. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Teresita. Yeah, it's all in the in the divine plan. As they say, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Very often, sometimes, like I, I have my agenda, and I'm going here or going there, and I walk out the door, and somebody intercepts me, and I'm disappointed, and I find out that my disappointment is divine appointments. So how true that is, but it's all uh, orchestrated in the divine plan and just surrendering to that. And it's all leading to where we come from, where we're going, and where we belong in the arms of our Heavenly Father. Mm. Thank you, Teresita. Yeah, thank you for the call, Teresita. And, you know, Father Douglas, as we try and live out that divine plan to eventually have that hope of being there in the arms of the Father, we really can look at the lives of the saints and how they give us that example of surrender, how they give up that love of self in place they have such a strong, vibrant love for God. Really, Josh, you know, that they were totally conformed to, to God's will. Uh, I think of so many saints that have touched me and have really uh, taught me about this uh, total surrender, unconditional, immediate surrender uh, to the Lord. But um, even Mother Mary, St. Joseph, they're fiats, you know, let it be done to, to me as you say. And Jesus would even have that in the agony and garden. And remember that, Father, thy will be done, not my will. But other than saints, like Margaret Mary, towards the end of her life, St. Margaret Mary, you know, with the Sacred Heart devotions, towards the end of her life, as she's dying, she says, I have come to realize that he was always saying to me, meaning Jesus, let me do it. And to let him do it is to give him permission. It's our surrender. That's where we really find our merit. 
when we surrender and let them do it. And that's not always easy to do. That's probably the hardest thing. Let me do it. But there's another story with St. John Vianney that I really like. St. John Vianney was that blame for fathering a child. And, um, you know, all the neighbors came up and, you know, calling them like hypocrite and all this. And uh, they have the little baby and said, this is your child. You take care of this child. John Vianney looks at them and takes the child in his arms and just says two words. Very well. Very well. And then he gives the child out to somebody that raised the child. But a year later, they find out that the true father is a, is a neighbor. And they come back all apologetic, and they said, uh, we're sorry. May we have the child back? And John Vianney looked and got the little toddler and said, very well, very well. Never phrased him. And I think of Louis de Montfort when they made the Calvary scene there, and the bishop was come to bless it. And it took them a year to build this Calvary scene, life-size images, and the bishop doesn't show up. And he goes to the bishop's residence and says that uh, we're waiting for you. And the bishop says, well, I can't come, and I can't bless it. Order of the king. Not only that, you have to tear it down, because the king sees it as a threat to the kingdom. So... Louis de Montfort goes back and he tells the people what had happened, and he says, well, look, it was God's will that we build it, and it's God's will that we tear it down. There it goes, you know. It's always about the God's will. In his will, I find my peace, my joy, my happiness, the total fulfillment of all my desires. It's always in his will, mm-hmm. not my will. It's his kingdom, not my kingdom. In giving that control over to God, too, and we're down to just a couple minutes here, Father, but one of the things that comes to my mind, you know, Jesus talks, if we want to be his disciples, we have to take up our cross daily and follow him. And I think of the morning offering, I offer you through the Immaculate Heart of of Mary, O Jesus, this day, my prayers and works and joys and sufferings. Is it important that we do renew that surrender every single day? Yeah. Absolutely, you know, and I just think that uh, it's more, again, in the moment, like AA is a day at a time, and I always say, that's too long, you know, it's a moment at a time, Mm -hmm. but you're always that renewal, and it's always during the day, you know, that we make that morning offering, and we we don't forget about it when difficult times come. I offer this to you, Jesus. I'm united with him on the cross, and once I embrace that cross, Josh, there is no more cross. I got the crucified one, the risen one, and he takes care of everything, and I mean everything. Mm. And then, of course, we need to, as St. Paul says, pray without ceasing. And I know we were talking during the break, those luminous mysteries can be very powerful, especially here as we're on a Thursday. Yeah. You know, I call the luminous mysteries my, my surrender mysteries. You look at the first mystery, right, the baptism, we talked about that in the beginning. Uh, give in for now. Surrender. Let me do this, you know. And then, then you come to the second mi- mi- uh, ministry, the Luminous, and, and then it's the marriage feast at Cana. And what's the Blessed Mother say? Uh, do what he tells you. Surrender. Do it his way. And then, of course, the proclamation of the kingdom. You know, I always hear these words, the gospel. Um, stay with me. Live with me. Abide with me. Um, follow me. You know, he's taking us somewhere. So it's like in, in these, you know, you come to the fourth mystery, uh, climbing uh, Mount Zion, the Transfiguration. It's Mount Zion. It's not Mount Mayan. We climb with Jesus where it's glory time and not Miller time. But there's the words of the Heavenly Father. Listen to him. Listen to him. Give in. Surrender. 
He got the words of everlasting life. And of course, the last mystery institution of the Holy Eucharist. Listen to him. Do this in, in remembrance of me. You know, and that takes the whole Paschal mystery in there. We can even bring in the agony in the garden there. Uh, Thy will be done, not my will. And on the cross, Jesus gives us the greatest example of all. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. We're down to our last minute here talking with Father Douglas McKay and about surrendering our lives over to God's control. And Father, as we're in this last minute, could I ask you to offer a final blessing for all of our listeners? Sure. Talk to, uh, I mean, um, do I have time, Josh, or just, just the blessing now? We're probably down to a time where we, we don't have much more um, here okay, other than for the final blessing. Very good. Well, thank you, Josh, and all the listeners, and it was a blessing to be with you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. amen. Heavenly Father, we praise and thank you for the gift of your Son and Mother Mary, who gives us the wonderful example in St. Joseph of just surrendering every, ourselves to you and to letting you take care of us, which you do best. So bless us all and help us to let go and to let you uh, watch over us and care for us. And bless us all, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God bless everyone. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. Thank you, Father Douglas. And want to encourage you to join us again uh, tomorrow on The Inner Life. We're going to be talking about the Feast of St. Joseph and looking for holiness in those everyday moments of life. So make sure to tune in tomorrow. If you missed any of today's show, you can always download the podcast at RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. And as Father McKay was talking through the Luminous Mysteries, want to encourage you to pray the rosary every day. It'll change your life, and you can change the world by praying that rosary. Thanks for listening, and have a wonderful day.